0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of the Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I am joined yet again by my buddy Nick. Nick, what's up, man? Cameron. Ooh, full name. Am I
1: in trouble? No. Just thought I would mix it up. Two teams remain.
0: Indeed. Yet there shall only be one.
1: Thou, thou shalt only be one. And that's two weeks' time. <laughs>
0: You need to work on your old English, man.
1: I, yeah, I know. But yeah, it's exciting.
0: Yes, it is. Uh, as we record, it is Sunday evening, October 23rd. Yesterday, history was made. Yes. Insofar as the Cubs of Chicago defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers to make their first World Series in 71 years. Which, I don't know about you. But I've not been around for that long, so this is the first World Series the Cubs have been in in my entire lifetime.
1: Yeah, Nazi Germany was defeated that that same year, so I that was a big year all around. Nineteen
0: forty-five. Well, that gives me hope that Donald Trump will be defeated this year when the Cubs make the World Series. So we
1: can we can all and hope, right, Nick? Yeah. Hilarious side note: I saw this tweet yesterday about how. Um, America needed a Cubs versus Indians World Series after this presidential campaign, and also just 2016, and what a terrible year it has been uh, for humanity. As trivial as baseball is, I kind of I can understand that as a Reds fan, the whole like Cubs horror that everyone seems to be buying into right now is I don't know. I don't find it quite as cute as everyone else. But I will say it definitely beats the Dodgers. Um you know the Cubs are you know it's funny, we were talking about this earlier. The Cubs kind of come off as this this like lovable loser Cinderella story. Um when, you know, they they're you know third biggest market in America fifth highest payroll and also a stacked team so
0: yeah and that's the reality is that they're not doing this because they have like you know the just the baseball gods are with them like
1: they are a loaded team. this isn't Rudy trying to make the Notre Dame football squad
0: yeah and honestly why would he want to be on Notre Dame's team he should have gone to a better this school is but that's
1: Joe Montana who doesn't have to do anything to win that job he just has to show up, you know. They didn't they didn't make a movie about Joe Montana when
0: he was at Notre Dame, did they? Nope, they did not. I actually forgot he went to Notre Dame. That makes me like him less.
1: But I mean if if you if people listened to our podcast, they would have known that this isn't a surprise or this was what we've been calling ever since February, that the Cubs were going to you know not only be in the World Series, but win the World Series.
0: Well, and to to perhaps call you to the carpet here, Nicholas, I, I feel like you are ever so subtly trying to take away from what the Cubs have accomplished. <laughs> I can't, and I can't help but hear that in your voice.
1: Well, that's just because I'm a little bitter, I'm not gonna lie.
0: Oh, and if, you know, I would do the same thing for the Indians, so I understand why. It's,
1: it's just one of those things. I I put a, a Facebook message about this last night, but, you know, I, I didn't watch any of the game except for the ninth, just because, you know, I wanted to see history um, being made. But once that game was over, my Facebook feed was just full of people that we went to college with. Um. Just, you know, people jumping on that bandwagon, you know, talking about the Cubs, and I felt like, you know, I was one of the few people that wasn't, you know, super excited or, you know, my my team was the second worst team in all of all baseball this year, so, and we'll have to deal with these same Cubs for the foreseeable future just to uh, even make the playoffs, so I'm not too enthused about it. But I just kind of felt a little ostracized from society, I'm not going to lie. And also, yeah, it was the same when the White Sox won. It's just, and, you know, teams that kind of come out of, you know, nowhere who weren't very good for a long time but are suddenly good, you just suddenly become more aware of that their supporters uh, become more vocal. But that's neither here nor there. That's a personal thing.
0: No, I, I mean I live in Kansas City, so yeah, it's exactly. not like I'm unfamiliar with bandwagon <laughs> fans for a team that's been irrelevant for most of my life. It's mm-hmm. a good point. Yeah, it's it's frustrating if I can use a kind word.
1: But yeah, Cubs are in there. Um, I guess we can kind of talk about this championship series. If that. Would.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, the Cubs-Dodgers series was good. I mean, there was give and take, there was back and forth, there was the, oh my gosh, the Cubs are down, but, you know, like the Indians-Blue Jays one was just kind of, what could have been was so much better than what actually happened.
1: Yeah, because I heard a lot of experts, people that follow baseball writers, who, you know, predicted a Cubs sweep, or, you know, definitely not a contested series, and... Got to give some credit to the Dodgers. They, you know, they came back and won games two and three. Uh, Kershaw pitched an amazing game in game two, kind of was the ace that he is. Rich Hill came back in game three, shut down the Cubs. And at that point, the narrative was, "Oh crap, you know, Cubs can't hit. They've got great, or they got John Lackey going in game four, who, you know, not necessarily someone who." You're super confident to shut down an offense, and you know he's he's a good pitcher, but he's no John Lester, Jake Arrieta. You know the Dodgers beat Jake Arrieta, um, and they they got shut out, they got shut down by Kershaw and Hill, and they they knew that they're gonna have to face them each at least one more time at the beat at the beat them once. So you know after game three, it was this could this could go the distance, and the Dodgers have a real chance, and. Got to give credit to the Cubs. They, in Game Four, took advantage of a twenty-year-old Julio Urias, and, um, yeah, kind of, you know, didn't really relent. At, you know, after that, they, um, you know, they brought Kershaw back on, you know, full full rest on Game Six. Um, you know, they they were talking about get bringing it back on Game Five on short rest, but, you know, I. I could see the reasoning for not because, you know, if you have a fully rested Kershaw and Rich Hill, you got to like your odds there. Um, But Cubs, you know, Cubs won game four and five in LA. They were were good games, ended up kind of pulling away at the end. But then, yeah, they, you know, thinking about game six in 2004, the Bartman game, where everything kind of went wrong, you're kind of expecting a, Some sort of drama. The Cubs just, like, from the first inning, put two runs on the board against Kershaw and just kept tacking on. Went to the ninth with a five-run lead, and then Chapman, you know, shut the door. (laughs) So definitely no dramatics in that situation. But uh, it was a pretty crazy scene in Chicago, and people stayed around and celebrated for a really long time. Kind of felt, in a sense, you know, the, you know the narrative of not being the world series since nineteen forty five but in a sense it kind of felt like they won the world series you know seeing that kind of celebration when you realize that they still need to win four more games but it was a pretty cool scene pretty cool scene for baseball a lot of you know when the Cubs are doing well and you're gonna get a lot of casual fans interested in that storyline so that's probably good for baseball and part of me is just like hopes they win this year to kind of get that narrative out of the way just so I can, you know, and everyone else can kind of get over that. Because I think it, it will change that whole lovable loser,
0: you know, ethos. Just the way it did with the Red Sox 10, you know, 12 years ago, when they finally won the World Series. Yeah, I, I know in my mind,
1: they pretty much turned into the Yankees after that point. You know, they won another World Series a couple of years later. And now it's like, yeah, I view the Yankees and the Red Sox in a similar ilk of you know, big market teams that, you know, have won multiple World Series now and teams that I don't necessarily root want to root for because they have a lot of the advantages and um yeah, they're the the Goliaths of baseball now.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting interesting to see the cultural shift of how we view the Cubs over the next 5 to 10 years because i think we're both in agreement and you may already have mentioned this i can't remember if it was while we were talking before recording or actually recording that the cubs are not like they're here to stay this is not a fluke they are stacked as you said in this recording like they're stacked they're here to here to stay they should be contenders for the next few years just based on the young core of players that they have so it'll be interesting to see how Culturally the whole lovable losers, the Cubs, let's you know, the curse of you know, whatever. We haven't won it for if they win it this year, how that changes in the immediate future.
1: Yeah, we were we were talking before the the broadcast or the podcast uh about or both their, their core hitting wise is just ridiculous. And if you remember at our, our service time podcast there are a lot of these guys are under their control for five, six more years. Um catching wise, I mean they're they're rotating three catchers, but Wilson Contreras is twenty-four, just came up this year, so they have him for six more years. I think he will um gradually become their full time catcher probably starting next year. Uh David Ross is gonna retire <clears throat> and then I don't know what their their plan is with Montero, but I'm sure they'll be able to find another catcher. But Rizzo is 26. Uh, Addison Russell is 22. Chris Bryant's 24. Jose Soler, while he's not a big part of this team, has a ton of tools, and he's only 24. Hayward's 26. He is definitely their weakest link right now. He's almost an automatic out. but. He's been around for so long. He, he feel like he's older than twenty six, but he's only twenty six. He's just entering the prime of his career. Um, so I mean, that's that's the core right there, and they've got some some other talent. You know, outfield they don't have a ton maybe right now, but you've got young guys like Albert Ormora, who was a top prospect. You know, really good defensive player. Uh, Schwarber, we haven't even talked about him. He's only twenty three. He may make a cameo in the World Series as a DH. We'll see he's in the Arizona Fall League right now, trying to knock some rust off, so I guess it kind of depends on how he looks down there, uh, where they bring him up, but, you know, that's a guy, he's going to see some left field in the future, so, yeah, offensively, they, they're they pretty much set, um, you know, Zobris is a little older, he's going to, he'll be around for a few more years to provide some leadership, but, They've only got a couple of spots where there's even a question mark moving forward and that's pretty normal. And probably okay. It gives you a chance if someone else um, you know breaks out. But, you know, pitching is kinda of where their experience is. You know, uh Hendricks is the only one that's under thirty. So that could go at any point, and I guess that'll kinda of determine their longevity. Uh, depending on how long, say a Lester Who's 32 can keep putting you know together these dominant seasons, which I think he will for a few more years. And Arietta, um, you know, so that that will be interesting to watch. But they're like you said, they're here to stay.
0: Yeah, and I will uh, not uh, humbly mention that Kyle Hendricks was my choice for the NL Cy Young, and based on his performance in this Game Six, I feel rather validated. <laughs> he did he.
1: He definitely going against Kershaw, you would ex- have expected Kershaw to be the one that was dominant, and it was definitely Hendricks who you know came into that big game and had to feel that he he kind of knew the moment and the pressure that he was under to come out and just dominate like he did uh, while the well Kershaw struggled a little bit um you know, and the Dodgers are. They're a team that they've got the money and the resources to do whatever they want. We'll see off season wise they're they're just ravaged by injuries this year they're they're getting a little old in some spots they need to to get a little younger. Kershaw needs some help in that rotation. can't really expect Rich Hill uh who's getting into his upper thirties to be the eight or the the co ace that he needs. And, like we talked about, there's not a ton on the uh, starting pitching market. So, we'll see if they do any trades or anything like that. Um, but the, the Dodgers are definitely be in contention again next year. But they put up a volume effort, but the Cubs were just too much at the end. Not a huge surprise um, that ended up the way it did.
0: Yeah. And so, to not be totally biased towards the Cubs, which I'm sure you'll appreciate, why don't you uh, fill everyone in? uh rather i don't know quickly or really briefly or uh i don't know in depth if you prefer but the the uh the series that you predicted the blue jays would come back in that that didn't really happen yeah it did not you've been avoiding this nick well we
1: <laughs> we need to talk about the national league you know the pure
0: you know, oh, here the way we go. that baseball here we is go. supposed to be
1: played league. We'll,
0: let, me, let me get my violin out. Hold we'll on. get
1: to the junior, the junior circuit <laughs> now.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. So, You're laying it on thick here, aren't so you? So the
1: great thing about baseball is, while in some respect you can be confident about a team like the Cubs performing well and making it to World Series, you have the other series where you go into it with you know the Indians and Blue Jays you have you know two teams who are have got a lot of momentum but you have a team in the Indians who whose starting pitching has just been ravaged to where they, you know they went into the year with thinking they had four you know pretty legit starting pitchers you know with Kluber, Carrasco, Salazar and Bauer to where you know you lose Salazar for the year you lose Carrasco. Bauer cuts his finger working on a drone before the before his. Um,
0: well, he can give me the drone if he wants. I'll gladly cut my finger so he can do his job better. What a
1: crazy crazy story! And you know he went out there and tried to pitch, and his his hand was bleeding profusely. He couldn't even make it out of the first inning, which was kind of amazing uh, in Game Three. A game, you know, a game that, you know, I had suspected that, you know, Bauer would give up some runs and, you know, the I knew that Stroman wasn't an ace, but I, I, I favored that pitching matchup and I favored the Blue Jays offense, especially at home. And credit the the Indians' bullpen, which is the MVP of this series, specifically Andrew Miller, but they, they totally won that game three, which I... Thought if the Blue Jays could win, could really change the momentum of that series, but they totally, they totally shut down the the Blue Jays in that game three as a bullpen, and you know the Indians went through out 3-0 at that point and effectively really shut that series down. Um, you know the the Blue Jays came back and won game four and a great great pitch game by Aaron Sanchez, and the Indians actually brought Kluber back on three games. Or three days rest, which was an interesting uh tactical, you know, maneuver because you know at that point you bring you have maybe Kluber available for parts of Game Seven, but the Indians started out a guy named Merritt in Game Four, who promptly went out and gave him a great start, and then they turned it over to the bullpen and ended up winning three 0 It's like one of those things that you couldn't have expected, you know, a guy like Ryan Merritt to come in and. A game five of a championship series, who had barely pitched for that team coming in. It's one of those maybe they the Blue Jays just didn't know his repertoire or something. But and, you know, a guy that just a young guy who just stones coming in and pitching a great game like that. But I think the series was won in that game three where you know you lose Bauer as early as you did, and then they <clears throat> they went to you know six of their pitchers in the bullpen in. You know, it will give up two runs and eight and a third innings. Pretty incredible. And to be able to, you know, I will, I, I'm pretty impressed that I got one. One of my better calls of the year was talking about the Indians bullpen as far as one of my top five bullpens. I think I put them two or three. And a lot of that was because of, you know, Zach McAllister, Brian Shaw, Cody Allen. And they've added a few other guys, including um, Andrew Miller. But those guys just got it done. Miller was amazing that whole series. Closed, he actually closed that game three out. But I think he was the actually the series MVP. Um, pretty much, you know, he pitched in every one that the Indians had. Pitched multiple innings and didn't give up a, a run the whole series, and that's what they traded for. So the <clears throat> the Indians definitely f- are following that that Royals model of good enough starting pitching. You know, they have an ace in Kluber who can go 7 or 8, but everyone else it's like get get through 4, 5 innings and then turn over that bullpen and it's worked out for them. Keep it to one or two runs, their offense is good enough to scratch off a couple runs, and they're perfectly comfortable playing a close bullpen game, you know. That's what they did against the Blue Jays who you know, in my opinion, had the more talent offensively and in the rotation, but it didn't really matter because of how effective that bullpen was. <clears throat> and you could tell, I mean, the Blue Jays hitters got frustrated um, by their lack of being able to do anything and they just got shut down. You know, Donaldson was really the only one that did anything in that whole series. Um, uh Russell Martin, Bautista all hovered around a you know, batting over around a hundred the whole series.
0: Well, that's because the umpires were totally biased towards Cleveland, didn't you hear? what? Yeah, and I at, mean that's that's what happened at, at that so. point.
1: At, that's when you know a team is desperate, desperate in <laughs> in their heads, and he kind of at that point kind of knew that the series was over. But <clears throat> Lindor was amazing. Hit three sixty four in that series. Um, Mike Napoli had an amazing game three. But it's, the Indians are one of those, they're just a scrappy team. You got, you got your, you know, you recognize guys like Kipnis, uh, Francisco Lindor, Napoli. You know, all those guys are, have been getting it done. But then you've you got guys like Jose Ramirez playing third, Lonnie Chisholm left, Coco Crisp. and Coco Crisp uh, is still in Coco the Crisp league? Coco Crisp
0: is in the league, yeah. No Roger. way.
1: And he like platoons with Rajay Davis. Rajay Davis comes in at the end because Coco Crisp has no arm left. Oh my God! (laughs) Tyler Tyler Naquin is playing center field. Who he he you know he made the team out of spring training this year as a rookie. Kind of was up and down. Their catcher Roberto Perez. I've like never heard of that guy. He didn't really do much this season, but he you know he's been a great defensive catcher. But really, it's really not about. Their offense is just doing enough. It's the that dominating bullpen. That's how you win playoff games. So you really have a contrast here of styles. And um, you know the Indians have lost one game this whole this whole postseason. They swept the Red Sox. They took you know they lost one game to the Blue Jays. <clears throat> so it it'll it sets up for a very intriguing World Series. You know. We'll get into our predictions, and I think I know which way I'm going to go. But I'm not going to be surprised at all if this turns out to be a very competitive series. Just because I think there is something to teams like the Indians who are just playing well as a team, who are pitching well. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, they finished their series pretty early. Like, they were, they're they going to have like a week off, which concerns you a little bit. But I think it almost gives them an advantage with their bullpen as much as they had to pitch in the championship series that they're going to be fully rested and ready to go. And they're going to be able to start Kluber in game one and they'll have home field advantage thanks to the all-star game, which is stupid,
0: which is so dumb, so dumb, so dumb.
1: but they're going to have that crowd behind them in game one with Kluber. So I, <clears throat> I can see them getting to off to a fast start again. And you know, the Cubs, they're, they're going to have a few days to kind of set their lineup, but I, I'm, um, you know, thinking that they they didn't have to go to Arietta Game Seven. They'll probably go Lester Game One because he'll still be normal rest and he's just been nails so far this postseason. But they'll probably put Arietta in Game Two and then Hendricks and Lackey and three and four. So it's gonna be another one of those series where hitting and <coughs> starting pitching advantage is gonna be to the Cubs but you definitely have to like the bullpen, uh, X factor of the Indians. And you have to also give a, a shout out to the the Yankees who made huge trades with both of these teams at the, the deadline. Um, bullpen help wise, you know, they traded Chapman to the Cubs and Andrew Miller to the Indians and got quite the return for both. But, <clears throat> you know, if, uh, the Indians don't make that trade. I do not believe that they're in the World Series. You know, the Cubs may have still made it, but you got to like having Chapman at the end of the game where it kind of bumps everyone else up to where, I mean, the Cubs, you know, they don't have a bad bullpen at all. But, so with all that said, it's going to be a very, I i think that ratings-wise, it's going to be one of the most watched World Series of all time. has to be just with the the Cubs being in it, and the Indians, the whole Cleveland like narrative with the Cavs winning the NBA championship this year, you know, Believe Land, you know, not a huge market in Cleveland, but anytime you have the Cubs in there, which we haven't since 1945, people are going to watch, so I'm basing that hypothesis on absolutely nothing but I, i'd be interested to see i i think that's something that'll come out of all this is it'll be one of the most watched if not the most watched world series um ever
0: yeah we'll uh, have to check on that uh in our next episode if possible but before we get to our predictions i i want to bring up um two things first of all did you were you uh able to watch? Joe Madden's interview after the Cubs won? I did not. I
1: I watched them celebrate for a couple minutes and then I switched off.
0: So, uh, whoever the guy that was interviewing him for Fox Sports asked Joe during your morning coffee, which apparently is this famous thing that he has, because no one else has a morning coffee except for Joe Madden. <laughs> uh they asked him, What were you thinking when you had your morning coffee today, Joe? And his response I want to watch football tomorrow, (laughs) (laughs) which I just thought was, I mean, he delivered it deadpan. Like it was totally serious. It wasn't a joke. He's like, we're going to win tonight. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be able to watch football tomorrow. Like that's what I want to do. I want to be able to relax and watch football. And I just thought that is such a honest and like real answer. It just made me like him even more. And, you know, we have a whole episode about why Joe Madden's the best manager in baseball. Um, I don't know why I just thought
1: about this, but when you were talking about him drinking coffee, uh, all I could think about was he dr- yeah he drinks his coffee like he drinks his coffee like us. Then he the, then he goes out and wins uh, championship. You know, I I'm butchering this right now, but I was thinking of yep, yep, putting yeah yeah you are the Chris Phil Walk in Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> he puts his pants on one leg at a time, then he goes out oh. and wins cold records. <laughs> Joe Madden <laughs> sips his coffee one sip at a time. Then he goes out and wins the Cubs' pennants in the first time in 76 years. There we go. That was a little better. Dear. And Cubs. so,
0: what you're saying is the secret to winning playoff baseball is more cowbell, is what you're saying. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Bruce Dickinson, Joe Madden. They love the cowbell. Wow. I apologize. <laughs> That's nope. Why Anytime we can get in. An- Com-
1: Comedy is not I my... yeah, it's not what writes the checks, yeah, <laughs> in the codes also
0: I don't know, you could be one of those awkward comics, they're pretty funny,
1: well, I made you laugh, so that's what it,
0: yes, yes, my second point before we got to our predictions was, uh well, me and you both have ties to these two uh stud bullpen pitchers Andrew Miller for the Indians and Aroldis Chapman for the Cubs obviously. We've talked about your feelings towards Chapman uh, multiple times this baseball season and the whole, you know, trade to the Yankees and the reasons behind it and, and the PR and, and all that stuff. But I did some digging earlier while you were talking and I found the initial uh article on ESPN from when Andrew Miller was traded from the Tigers to the Marlins. Dated December 5th, 2007. Crazy. I did not I did not realize it was that long ago.
1: Yeah, that was back when he was a a top he was super top prospect and still a starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, he was still a starter, but so the trade was the Marlins gave the Tigers Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis. Yes. And the Tigers gave Yep, and the Tigers gave up Cameron Maben, who wound up being a Tiger again, mm-hmm. Andrew Miller, Mike Ribello, the catcher, and minor league pitchers Eulogio, De La Cruz, Dallas Traherne, and Burke Badenhop.
1: Burke so, Badenhop.
0: Yeah, so I, as much as it pains me to like, admit that the Tigers gave up way too early in Andrew Miller, the return of Miguel Cabrera. Oh, it totally, totally not even it. a Question: I mean, Dontrelle Willis was, uh, pun intended, a train wreck in Detroit. Um, but getting Cabrera for what we gave
1: up—well—and you have to remember, Andrew Miller like didn't turn into what he did until four or five years ago. So there was there's like four years of him, you know, being a flop, languishing, essentially. not being a good starting yeah. pitcher, and then they went they finally traded him or turned him into a relief pitcher is when he like really took off. I heard this day too. He has been in like several really big trades in the last three or four years. It's kind of been amazing what he's been traded for. Yeah. That Miguel Cabrera trade was one of them. And then he was, he was with the, or, or um the Orioles. Wait a second. He got traded. Oh gosh. I have to look this up, but like he was part of the Andrew or the Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez trade. Um, like obviously he's just he's been traded several times and he's been in he's been a valuable piece. But I mean he's worked out wherever he's been. Like he's been dominant. So, but yeah, that's kind of a crazy trade when you think about it. That was almost ten years ago.
0: And the only reason I brought it up was because these two guys are centerpieces of the bullpens for both the teams in the World Series, who did not play for both of these teams during the regular season, mm-hmm. and they both have ties to our favorite clubs. So I just thought it was interesting um, whether they be you know nine year old ties or two year old ties that that these two guys uh have such have had such an impact on the teams that. Um they're a part of, but also have had such uh, an impact on our favorite teams. So, sorry. Can you hear my dogs right now? Because they're freaking out. I cannot.
1: I was just thinking about how we managed to trade Chapman at his ultimate lowest point and received basically nothing for him. So that was
0: fantastic
1: how that all worked
0: out. Yeah, at least the Tigers got, you know, a perennial MVP candidate.
1: Yeah, we did not get Miguel Cabrera for her oldest Chapman, unfortunately. So, yeah, but that that is interesting. It's going to be a great World Series. I I don't think it's going to be a sweep, either way. Um, I am I'm definitely intrigued. I will watch as many as I can. Um, I think it's really going to boil down to. The Indians, if they have any sort of chance, it's Kluber being an ace in uh the games that he pitches um and then those other guys just doing as much as they can, getting through three four innings, keeping the game close to to turn over that bullpen um that's the only you know the only way I see the Indians having a chance, and then yeah, they have to keep getting timely hitting and Francisco Lindork has to keep being a a budding superstar. Kipnis has to keep hitting like he's been hitting. Napoli, um, etc. And it's nice having Francona as your manager. You think you lose sight of him. You you know we talk about Madden. This is a guy that is a that was a World Series champion himself, and he he's not going to be intimidated by the by the the setting he's going to it's not going to be too big for him so just so many good storylines things to watch for great great fan bases energized fan bases it uh it's going to be fun and it's kind of nice to have a you know positive storyline for baseball and um you know we haven't really had to talk about steroids or anything and <clears throat> you know i think another thing that's been interesting is all these games, the playoff games, have been so well played, and it hasn't been a lot of sloppiness, and I think it just goes to the skill of the players that are playing at this level. You know, I, and I've been reading some, you know, interesting juxtapositions to, you know, pro football right now, and especially the primetime games, just how sloppy and unwatchable they've been, and, you know, NFL ratings, especially for the primetime games, have been a lot lower this year. So it's kind of interesting to think about baseball and just how well these games have been played, pitched, um, et cetera. I I think it shows, I don't know what what the glean out of that is. You know, football's a totally different animal, but it is nice to be able to watch baseball be played at such a high level to where, you know, all these crazy, difficult defensive plays that aren't going to be coming up in the box score that are being made by... Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez and Addison Russell. I mean, you have so many great, just well-rounded players. Um, that's been great to see. And then young guys like Lindor and Corey Kluber, more on the Indian side that aren't necessarily national household names, I think, will become that after this World Series. So those are those are great guys. They're great players, and they deserve uh, you know, to have more people know how good they are. And I think a lot of people know Cubs wise, those guys, but I think the Indians are gonna get some respect as well. So definitely don't know as many Indians fans personally. I know a few. I know at, you know, Taylor where we went to college, there'll be some uh some, you know, people who like the Indians and the Cubs there. So that'll be, you know, fun. That whole like Midwest area there'll be a lot of lot of that going on but it will be fun to watch for sure
0: indeed it will and now nick the time has come our predictions for our predictions indeed you read my mind do you want me to go first or would you like to uh break the ice
1: i can go first um i want to pick the indians just to be the underdog, but I can't. I picked the Cubs at the beginning of the year. They're just too good. They don't they don't have a weakness. Maybe hit Jason Hayward is their only weakness. But Madden is <clears throat> he's smart enough. Maybe he's not even gonna play that much in the World Series. They have other options. Um they're a team that is not gonna be intimidated. Or, by the DH, they have enough players to that actually helped, probably helps solve a problem. They get more good bats in their lineup. You know they don't, They're not going to be struggling to fill that. Their starting pitching is good. Their bullpen is good enough. I, I'm going to take
0: the Cubs in six. All right. The Cubs in six. I know that hurt you to say, so I appreciate your, your strength
1: here, Nick. <laughs> I, can, here's... I can think objectively.
0: <laughs> that makes one of us. Uh, here's my concern. My concern is that I'm going to pick the Cubs, and then the Indians are going to win. Like, I have this, like, innate fear that the Indians are going to win the World Series, and Cleveland's going to have two championships in the same year. And it just makes me angry. The world will end if that happens. I know. Yeah, Jesus will come back before Game 7. Um, Not really. I doubt it. He probably doesn't care about baseball. But anyways... um. I will go with my gut, and I will pick the Cubs to win. And how oh, six games sounds right. But just to be a little different, I'll pick seven. I think this is going to be... I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. I'd rather just get over with. But I just... I The Indians... I mean they're a good team. They they're not sexy. They don't have the big names. They don't have the big market. You know, they don't have the the uh classic jerseys. Yeah, I mean they they dominated the AL Central all year. I know. They I mean everyone uh, the professionals were like, "Oh, the Red Sox are the team to win the World Series." They swept them. They made the Blue Jays look inept. Um and i just i don't see that necessarily stopping against the cubs i just think the cubs have a little more firepower than the other teams that they faced and so i expect this to be a very competitive evenly matched back and forth sort of series um which i think is is nothing but great for baseball absolutely and uh i just i mean i i have to be honest i want the cubs to win because I want to be a part of that history. I'm already a part of their first World Series since 1945, which is 15 or 17 years before either of my parents were born. My grandpa, my grandpa was 13 the last time the Cubs made the World Series and he's not even alive now. Yeah, I mean and he and he grew up in Scotland where baseball is not a thing. So he doesn't I mean he doesn't even know. <laughs> and so I just my I'm going to sum this up quickly. I expect the Cubs to win. I'll take seven games instead of your six, but I think we both agree that the Cubs are the team to beat.
1: What's cool, too, is, I mean, you have the Cubs. I mean, their last appearance was 1945. Their last championship was 1908. The Indians' last World Series Series championship was 1948. Their last appearance was 97. So they they were in the World Series in 95 and 97. Didn't win either. So either way, you're going to have a very, very long drought uh, broken this year. So <clears throat> yeah, I i mean, for selfish reasons, the Cubs winning means, like what I talked about, the whole mantra can be taken away and, you know, they're going to win one soon. They just have too much talent. Just get it out of the way and then, um, yeah, so I can start rooting against them and not feel bad about it but i i know a lot of people that it would mean a lot to for them to win so i don't want to i don't wish ill towards them at all i'll be i'll be very happy for them if the Cubs do pull it out <clears throat> and it will be quite the story um dominating the new cycle right before a very very large and important election so the timing will be interesting to that but It'll be fun to watch. Uh, I plan on, like I said, on watching as many games as I can. And then, yeah, we will uh, we'll break it all down exclusively on the Mendoza Line podcast.
0: Yes, the sort of commentary and insight you can get nowhere else. Hard-hitting analysis. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, oof. Hot takes, Nick, hot so takes. So many hot
1: pay pancakes.
0: Oh, boy. Pancakes? Really? That's always when I, when I hear <laughs> hot takes, I just think hotcakes. Oh, you think hotcakes. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm with you. Well, our next episode is scheduled for October 30th, and while both of us picked six- and seven-game series, there is a chance that we can be recording next week announcing and covering the winner of the World Series, if this goes one-sided. Yes. So, uh, I don't know about you, but I am, I'm very much looking forward to recording our next episode, um, hopefully in the throes of a very, uh, well-contended World Series, but we will be back next week, both Nick and I, to cover the World Series of 2016 between the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs, and, uh, I'm pretty pumped about it.
1: Yo, Tom Bienn. I
0: don't know what that means. I took French in high school. Uh, Me too. (laughs) Serious? Oh my. Okay. Uh, We'll see you next week. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Adios.